Hello everyone, welcome back to the Donkey's Garage for season two, episode 31, Racing in Las Vegas. This is the second to last race of the year. The end is coming very, very soon. Just next weekend will be Abu Dhabi, which will be the last race of the year. But as a departure present, for the season 2023, we had the pleasure of welcoming a new track to the calendar, the Las Vegas track. This promised to be a lot. It was advertised as the big event of the year with an immense platform of, of uh, advertising a very strong highlight on that side of the of the weekend being not only a race but also a people's event vegas is known for many things it is the the home of, of gambling it is the capital of things that are out of this world in many senses. You can get married in a chapel by Elvis Presley, or at least somebody who dresses like him. You can spend all day long at a hotel that is inspired in its design by the ancient Rome, by ancient Rome. You can visit a small reproduction of the Eiffel Tower. You can do many things that are, are unique. And of course, we all know the saying that what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. And the F1 race shouldn't be an exception. It should be as much of a show-off as Las Vegas is by its very nature. It should be as much of a gamble as, as, as the casinos are. And it should be about glamour, about daring, about all the vices that make humankind weak. Temptation. There was a lot of hype about this this weekend. And to be honest, I wasn't convinced. Because this new ownership of Formula One embodied in this in liberty have taken the policy of turning racing into a commercial asset. And in order to, to turn it into a commercial asset, they have fallen victim of, 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 of feeding people a lifestyle. It's turned into a reality as Selling Sunset, as, as so many other shows, as the Kardashians, they feed you lifestyle that that isn't real formula one is not about 
drivers wearing multi-million dollars watches about ultimately people living centric lives about drivers driving expensive cars at its inception formula one is just a sport it it is born out of the sheer passion that we drivers feel for speed there is an intimate bond between you and the machine as a driver and it's it's not a component of that lifestyle that you show up on a t titanium watch that you drive a Ferrari and that you wear jewelry it is quite the opposite racing drivers who come from from the bottom they have grown in these circumstances where adversity is your your best ally what do I mean by your by adversity I mean that you come from a background which has taught you to appreciate what you have the value of your success but also the value of the li of limited resources so many of the great drivers that have made history have a common trait their back their family the background of their family was was poor they couldn't afford the best engine, the best go-kart, the best material to fit new tires every session, to put rain tires when it rained. No, quite the opposite. There was these are drivers that, that have overcome the challenge, that have learned through harshness. They have learned that they have to step up when it's most needed. And I'm talking about drivers like Vettel, who learned to drive in the rain like nobody else because his dad couldn't afford wet tires. So he kept his slicks tires under the rain and he mastered driving in the rain in slicks so that when he had the opportunity to drive in a set of wet tires he he saw no challenge he was above the rest that is what makes formula 1 the unique sport actually it is true i believe for anything in life. You do not learn out of success. You learn out of adversity. But this new lifestyle that, that is being advertised through drive to survive, through the modern era of Formula One, is about excess. Drivers are treated like they are some sort of stars. 
They have all the means to their disposal. And there is this vanity that hovers over these this new approach. And Vegas is the epitome of this change. They brought the, the race to Las Vegas because they wanted it to be a commercial success. They wanted it to, to be a symbol of a commercial success in the US to show, to associate Formula One to this big name, Las Vegas. People from all over the world travel to this piece of land in the middle of Nevada to spend a couple of days, maybe a week, in a man, in a land that has no memory. The ones you live there, all that you've done is, is in the past. The city itself is not much more than the strip itself. It's a big road that cuts from point to point the city. It is surrounded by lights, by casinos, by all sort of extravagant things. But there is no tradition of racing, with one exception. We have already had, we have already had two races in Las Vegas. It was actually in a park lot. This is somewhat funny because it really gives you the idea of how colossal things are in the USA, that you can hold a venue in a car park because it's so big. But for these Las Vegas race, the promoters, they envisaged something bigger than ever. They thought they had to, to make it a hit. So they did, redesigned a street circuit out of the blue that of course had to go through some of the iconic landmarks of Las Vegas the strip the hotels they even included these massive bowl that, 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 that showed different pictures it was quite incredible to, to watch all the setup they, they created. But at the end of the day, it felt to me really artificial. You didn't see a track, you saw entertainment in its rawest form. Just entertainment, not racing. The drivers themselves, they were not convinced. Some of them were particularly loud about their discontent with the whole show. Particularly 
Thursday was quite a scene when they introduced the drivers. They made a parade that I do not believe it's, it's dignifying for the sport or for the drivers. It was like a Roman circus showing the gladiators. But for God's sake, I wonder who came up with this pathetic way of starting the weekend. It was just as if they had done this this compilation of of things that happen in Las Vegas. Some bits were borrowed from the boxing matches. Some were borrowed from basketball games and so on. But nothing felt Formula One. Nothing spoke the true name of the sport. But whatever, after quite a a questionable way of, of starting the weekend. We had Friday. A Friday in FP1 that was ruined by an accident that was beyond beyond the driver's fault. And at the end of the day you can only point at one person as as being at fault that was the FIA who most certainly failed to carry out their safety measures this strip being 1.2 kilometers 1.6 kilometers long you could be reaching about speeds of 350 with a DRS. 350k I'm talking about. Speeds that you don't see that often. Speeds similar, very similar of course to Monza. Speeds that are very scary, especially when you're in narrow street circuits. The layout itself was, was quite boring. I mean, it was just a long straight, a couple of corners, and that's all. But in the straight, there was these, this drain cover that was not properly sealed. And when the Ferrari of car signs went over it, the floor effect sucked the drain cover out of its position. And essentially, got sucked into the car resulting in severe damage worth around 1.2 million 1.5 million to Ferrari ruining the floor the battery the engine costing a lot of money to Ferrari and of course resulting in Carlos Sainz not being able to take part in FP2. The weekend at Las Vegas was starting 
with a scandal that was not appreciated by the promoters. The atmosphere around the track was tense because it showed that the regulations are blind. As a result of the engine swap that Ferrari had to operate in Carlos Sainz's car, the FIA considered that changing the engine was a breach of the regulation with regards to the limits on engine parts that you can use in a season and awarded a 10 places penalty to Carlos Sainz on the Sunday grid which sounds ridiculous and even though the FIA themselves admitted that it was in Congress to do so they justified it on the ground that they did not see an exemption that they could apply not to grant the sanction. Of course this quickly turned into a political debate in Formula 1 because some teams, namely Toto Wolf, decided that not only was required to enforce these regulation stricter senses, but that there was no reason, no compelling reason that is, not to apply it. This makes no sense because the engine swap was of course not a deliberate choice of Ferrari, of the driver if you like, but the result ultimately of a failure by the FIA to carry out a duty which falls under their purview. Toto Wolf played politics as he's very well known for doing to perfection because by granting and enforcing that sanction on Carlos Sainz he is trying to maximize Mercedes' interest in the Constructors' Championship as Ferrari is just about to overtake Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. And knowing that there is only one race left, on Thursday, two races left, there is still the chance that Ferrari can finish second in the Drivers' in the Constructors' Championship. And the result of finishing second or third translates into a big difference in terms of paycheck. Toto Wolf is no strange to the politics that happen in Formula One, and he had measured and calibrated his words to perfection on Thursday. He was vocal about the spirit of the regulation, and he wanted that sanction to be enforced. And so it happened. Carlos Sainz got the 10 places penalty 
for Sunday. So now we go to qualifying itself on Saturday. A qualifying which promised a lot, especially for the Ferrari team, as they locked first and second position with Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz first and second. Max Verstappen qualified third, followed by George Russell, Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, yes, you heard, Logan Sargent seventh, eighth, Valtteri Bottas, followed by Kevin Magnussen, then Fernando Alonso, then Lewis Hamilton, and finishing the top 12th, Sergio Perez. Quite a mixed, great, something quite unusual overall. You had some uninvited guests, I would say, with Alex Albon qualifying P6 and Logan Sargent P7. Admittedly, the track was particularly convenient for the Williams, given its stop speed, and one of the strengths that the Williams car has shown this season was stop speed. Then, Valtteri Bottas and Pierre Gasly, they both stunned the public by qualifying P5 and P8. Also, the Haas, driven by Magnussen, gave quite an incredible performance, qualifying P9, which speaks and continues to reiterate the good results that the Ferrari engine provide to their customers in terms of top speed. Finishing this unusual qualifying, Alonso P10, giving Perhaps the unusual, the surprise to the public with an Aston Martin that felt relatively at ease in a street circus where circus, not circus, circuit, at a venue where top speed was essential. And we've known that this Aston Martin was not particularly at ease in terms of top speed given the issues they have so notorious with drag. But yet they managed to bring a setup that was sufficiently competitive to qualify P10 and get into Q3. Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez perhaps underperforming given their respective cars. Lewis Hamilton qualified P11, whereas his teammate only qualified P4. And Sergio Perez qualifying P12, whereas his teammate qualified P3. But that was no trouble for the drivers, as the Sunday race gave a lot to discuss. So on Sunday, Carl Sainz was moved all the way down to P12, bringing the drivers one position ahead, those who were qualifying from P1, from P13, uh, 
3 to P11. And Sunday, off the line, chaos. I mean, what else can we say? We had heard rumors. We had been given a lot of information about how cold it was going to be. Vegas was promised to be one of the coldest raced races of the year, of the calendar, and even in history. At the end of the day, it was not as cold as it was predicted, but it was cold. It was cold, and getting the tires to up to temperature was really difficult. And we saw these at the start, as the cars got off the line, they arrived at the first corner. And when the drivers started their braking procedure, they felt victim of cold tires, cold brakes. And as a result, many of them missed their braking point, going far too far. That was namely Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc got off the line relatively good, but Verstappen was aggressive, as he is always, very aggressive, and dived for P1, pushing, admittedly, Charles Leclerc off the track. But if you actually look at the images, you will see that Verstappen is really aggressive, and of course, he dives in and knows what he's doing. But at the same time, you have to admit that there is a point where he's turning the wheel and he's just having understeer because of the cold tires. Verstappen is pushing Charles Leclerc all the way to the runoff area. And as they make the turn, Verstappen takes the lead and stays there for the coming laps. For this incident, Verstappen will get a five-second penalty. At the back, Fernando Alonso falls victim of the same situation. He gets off the line relatively well, dives on the inside of the first corner, and as he is about to make the turn, he realizes he's got no grip. He loses the car, and next second, he's looking the wrong way around. He provokes a situation where all the drivers have to take evasive maneuvering maneuvers, and there is this domino effect, essentially, where there are a lot of drivers that find themselves going somewhere just to avoid him, and another driver who loses control of his car, and as a result is facing the wrong way around, is Carlos Sainz. Lewis is also a bit timorous in this first section of the, of the race. Out of the first corner, Alonso is last 
joined by Lewis, joined by Carlos Sainz. Alonso has damage on his front wing. It's a difficult situation. There are debris on track. And so they have the opportunity next lap as a safety car is quickly called in to change tires. They fit a set of hard tires which a priori will need to last to the end. Which you wonder, are they going to make it? Because it was 50 laps, but 50 laps on a hard of set tires. Well, it was going, it was got a bit difficult to make it. On the one side, it's a very cold track with a hard of tire with hard tires. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard to to drive, especially around the first laps. On a second note, you wonder, do you really want to put a set of hard tires? Are you going to lose so much time? It would not be better to feed medium tires, even soft tires. That's, that's my, that was my question at the start of the race. I was more in tune to go with the strategy that Landstroll adopted by starting with soft tires and a track which is cold I would have gone also for soft tires so that you maximize performance in those first laps you make sure that you have the grip and while everyone else is crushing you can try to avoid the mess and get out there take the positions and then switch for hard tires after 10-12 laps and go all the way to the end the race itself was relatively standard, no big issues happening. There was the incident with the McLaren that saw Landon Norris crashing at an incredible speed where he lost control of the car, of the rear of the car, presumably as a result of a small bump that was located just around the corner and then he was catapulted all the way against the barrier and then being dragged all the way to the end of, 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 the, of the straight. It was a severe crash, a very severe crash. We saw Alanda Norris having trouble to get out of the car. He was a bit knocked out. Ultimately, he was fine. But it's something that Andres Stella has compelled the promoters to fix for next year because it could be very dangerous otherwise it was a difficult race to follow as there was a lot of changes happening given the two safety cars that shuffled over and over the the grid a couple of drivers that did a, a fantastic strategy were Lance and Ocon they did an amazing strategy where they started P19 and P15 and Lance Stroll finished P5 which speaks very highly of him again we are seeing a Lance Stroll that is performing well that is bringing points and that looks very much in confidence this is the sort of teammate 
that Alonso needed from the start of the season, but it's really reassuring towards next year. Ocon also did quite a fantastic year, even a year race, not year because he's an incompetent. Um, good strategy by the team. Also, the Williams, relatively good race. Relatively good race. There were admittedly suffering from their, their inherent lack of performance during race conditions, but that was no prejudice to a good result overall, with Albon falling to P12. And unfortunately for Logan Sargent, falling to P16. But again, I have to say that the safety cars were benef was beneficial to some drivers and quite detrimental to others. Some played the gamble very well, some others lost as a result of it. Another driver who saw quite a mixed feeling race was Lewis Hamilton, who out of turn one, thought his race was over. So was the case for Alonso, by the way, and so was the case for Carlos Sainz. And by the end of the race, they actually had quite the opposite scenario, with Lewis actually p finishing P7, Carlos Sainz finishing even P6, and Alonso finishing P9. I have to say that I was not really excited overall by the race. I thought it was a monotonous race in itself. I mean, cars were, yes, relatively stocked up, which meant that there was some action. There was quite a lot of overtakings. But in itself, the, the layout of the track did not invite to an exciting race. It's not like Brazil. As I said, that was exciting by nature. Here, it was more like, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. The most intense fights, I think, were Carlos Sainz and Alonso's fight, which they were just driving one stuck together, one after the other for the whole race, with Alonso trying to overtake Sainz, and then he lost the position, and after that he was not able to recover. He got stuck behind Carlos Sainz all the way to the end, um, except... Lewis and George managed to, to, to get in between out of uh, sheer performance, out of, out of pure performance. The, the, the Mercedes being quite inefficient overall, it felt that the car was not really as comfortable as you would expect, better than in Brazil, of course, but still they seem to, to have lost some of, the, some of the edge they had, especially in Mexico. Um, which, which, which was, I think, with together with 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 the, the circuit of the Americas, the the hype for the for the team this year. As I said, Ocon a very good result, finishing P four, followed by Lance Stroll P five, and the other big fight that really commendable again was Verstappen Leclerc Paris. Leclerc was trying to, to, to secure that first victory that would have 
resulted in the first pole position turning into an actual win. But Max Verstappen is, is no, no easy opponent. And in spite of having been awarded a five-second penalty, he was able to recover, get out there, and ultimately overtake Charles Leclerc on track. And then the question was, how could Paris deal with Charles Leclerc? Paris, I'm afraid, was a lone survivor. Whereas Verstappen did say on the radio, let's work together. In reality, he, he did not work together with his teammate. He overtook Leclerc and said, bye-bye, baby. This is not my fight. And he let Paris fight his own, his own fight. And in the last lap, Leclerc overtook Paris in the only place he secured, he could secure P2. As a result, Paris finished P3. Again, I have to say, very good fight by Paris, good driving by Charles Leclerc. They showed good racing skills. It's racing, baby, and it's Las Vegas. You, you play a game, you can lose, you can win. It can go, go both ways. Overall, I have to say, I, uh, I side with Verstappen's comment about Las Vegas. 99% show, 1% racing. It did not impress me. I did not fall in love with Las Vegas. It was a decent track, but nothing out of the ordinary. We've seen better. It is no different to other tracks that there are in the, there is, that there are in the calendar. You could compare it perhaps to Baku, yes. It is most certainly not Monaco. It doesn't have a glamour. It doesn't have the excitement. I would keep it, maybe. But I'm not sure if I had to make a choice between one, two, three, four races that if, if I had to choose to, to remove races from the calendar, I would not put this particular race on a, on a safe list to say I have to keep this, no matter what. I would probably put it in the list where if you lose it, you're not going to lose a night of sleep. With that said, the big party is for... Sergio Perez, who by qualifying, by finishing P3, he secured the second place in the, in the Drivers' Championship. And as a result, probably he's, he goes to Abu Dhabi with a much more relaxed attitude. He's no longer under the threat of Lewis Hamilton sneaking in under him. The fight 
remaining will be to see if Ferrari can can still weigh Mercedes P2 on the Constructors' Championship. We leave Las Vegas on a positive note, I think, for many teams. For Red Bull, of course. For Ferrari, who have had, I believe, a relatively good weekend in terms of performance, in spite of the disastrous financial and, and, and moral result because of the accident that got Carlos Sainz really frustrated. And he was able to have payback time on Toto by finishing ahead of his two Mercedes in spite of the 10 places, 10 positions on penalty on the grid. Aston Martin also had a positive weekend with good, relatively good top speed or not as bad as, as not suffering as much as they would have imagined with relatively, with a good bunch of points with Lan, with Lance Stroll being the one who's, who's brought the, the most substantial amount of points but all points are necessary and they're all welcome. Alonso perhaps he was a bit the donkey of the of the race with that first mistake that isn't usually in him, but it was relatively unnecessary, quite stupid. Well, it's of course unnecessary, but quite stupid because it was it was foreseeable that that you were going to get into that first corner on a on a on a very on a very set of cold tires. So I am inclined to 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 award these donkeys award for this weekend to Alonso. And on that note, I have to say that it's the end of the episode. That I am looking forward to going to Abu Dhabi for well, not going personally, but to 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 witness the last race of the year to conclude season 2023 hopefully on a very good note with a good race and it should be the first stepping stone for a very good 2024 season hopefully for Aston Martin also on that note thank you very much for listening thank you very much for tuning and as always I will suggest that you subscribe that you leave a thumbs up, that you make a comment if you like, that you show your support. Have a good evening.